Well, good morning again, everyone. It is good to be with you in Lakeville and Shakopee online, wherever you are on this fine February morning. Uh, my name is Ryan Alexander. This is my wife, Jen, and we are really excited to uh, bring this message to kick off the series all about Jesus. But first, it is Valentine's Day after all, so happy Valentine's Day. Uh, we can't think of a better place to celebrate Valentine's Day as a couple than right here with you. Okay, that's a lie. Mexico would be really nice, but uh, it is good to be with you. This is the second best place to celebrate uh, Valentine's Day. We're not huge gift givers, uh, but we did get each other since it is Valentine's Day, and this is kind of like our date, I guess, in a way. Uh, we did get each other some gifts, so I got Jennifer Rose. Will you please accept this rose? I will. I'm so thankful I don't have to compete for it with 20 women wearing bikinis. Yeah. So That's a bachelor you. reference in case you don't know. Okay. Yeah, thank you. I got you a little something. I got you one of your special bars of chocolate. Church, you may not know this about um, your pastor, but he's highly intolerant to dairy and soy. So it's really hard to find chocolate for him. Target sells one, one. So I, I went ahead and got it for you. I've tasted that before. It tastes kind of like a combination of dirt and cardboard, like mixed together. So Thank I you. hope you enjoy it. Yeah. And happy Valentine's <laughs> Day, everybody. Now, as I say that, I know there are people in this room who love Valentine's Day. It's like your favorite holiday. You made your reservation like six months ago. You can't wait to go out to dinner tonight. And you're wearing red today and you love Valentine's Day. Now, there are also some people in this room, can we just be real? who can't stand this holiday. You do not like this holiday. For whatever reason, maybe, you're, maybe your relationship's not feeling super lovey-dovey right now, or maybe you're a widow, maybe you're single, and this day screams that in your face more than any day of the year. And so to those of you who love Valentine's Day, happy Valentine's Day. To those of you who hate Valentine's Day, don't worry, it'll be over tomorrow, okay? You're almost there. And we did want all of you to feel loved this Valentine's Day. And so we just have a little something for you. When you go out of the worship center at both of our campuses, there will be baskets full of Hershey's nuggets, which happen to be one of my favorite candies. And so you can pick one of those up. And as you do, just know that you are loved. You are our Valentine. You're getting a Valentine. We love you. Your church loves you. God loves you. Enjoy the chocolate. Yeah. All right? Yeah, okay. there you go. That's true. We don't want to let Valentine's Day pass without saying that. We, we do love you. Uh, as a church, your pastors, uh, this pastor certainly does. Uh, I was here on Ash Wednesday, and it was nice to just come and worship and, and hear a great message and, and experience a, a wonderful worship service. But I was, I, I was sitting in the front row during communion as people were coming forward, uh, person after person, to receive communion. I just thought, oh, I love this flock. I just do. And so uh, we love you. Happy Valentine's, Valentine's Day to yeah. you. And we too, we were, we were thinking about you, we were talking about you, and how loved we have felt, Ryan and I, by you over especially this last six months to a year of transition that we've been through as a church. You all honestly just couldn't have been more encouraging, more loving, more faithful in prayer for us. And so we say thank you. Thank you so much for the way that you've loved us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Really. All right, if it's all right with you, though, we're going to leave Valentine's Day behind now because we have another important holiday that we're actually kicking off together as a church today. This is the first weekend of Lent. As Ryan said, we had Ash Wednesday on Wednesday. That officially begins the Lent season, the six weeks before Easter. And we know that some of you in the room are very familiar with Lent. In fact, maybe you've been celebrating it all the way back. When you were a kid, you went to Wednesday night soup suppers, and so somehow, like, pea soup and Jesus are connected for you in a way. 
And that's great. Some of you have been celebrating Lent a long time. Others of you may really have no idea, honestly, what Lent is. That's, that's where I was coming from. I've told my story a, a few times, but I really didn't grow up in a, in a household that went to church all that often. We went in and out of church, and we definitely weren't like aligned with the church calendar. So I had, I had never celebrated Lent until I went to college. I came to faith in high school, and I chose a Christian college, this Lutheran school out in Tacoma, Washington, called Pacific Lutheran University. That's where I met my hunk over here. And, um, and, and so I get there, and, and it's, I'm among all these Lutherans, all these Lutheran people. And so it gets to be springtime around this time of year, and they all start buzzing about, it's Lent. What are you going to give up for Lent? What are you going to give up for Lent? I'm like, what are they talking about? So thankfully, the World Wide Web had just been invented. And so I probably looked it up and, you know, what is Lent and why is everybody giving something up? And I learned that, that this tradition is one of, of sacrificing something so that you can align with the sacrifice of Jesus, okay? And I'm like, that's a cool idea. And I have this boyfriend to impress, so I'm really going to go for it. I am going to give up sweets, all of them, sugar, brownies, cookies, cake, candy. I'm going to give it all up for six weeks. Now, I don't know if any of you all have ever tried to give up sugar before, it's a beast. It goes a little something like this. Day one and two, you're like, this actually isn't anywhere near as bad as I thought it was going to be. It's pretty easy. And then day three, the raging headache sets in. And day four, the irritability. And day five, you just want to kill the people around you. And day six, you just want to die if you can't have a cookie. <laughs> so that's what happened to me. And I got to that point. And I've never confessed this out loud before. Well, except last night at the service. I'm going to say it to you that my first Lent, I cheated. I did, maybe more than once. Just an M&M there, you know, a Skittle there, a cookie from the cafeteria there. And I tell you what, every time I had sugar, I felt so guilty. I felt so guilty. And by the end of those six weeks of Lent, I was just begging for Jesus to die on the cross for me because I was so pathetic. I was a pathetic, pathetic sinner. And so Lent might do that to you. If you try to give up something, you're going to get humbled. Okay, that's what happened to me. And in fact... Um, those little chocolates that we put out there in the atrium for you for Valentine's Day, they're kind of double um, meaning here because we knew some of you probably tried to give up chocolate for Lent. So first temptation, out those doors. <laughs> Hope you pass. <laughs> okay, so that's what Lent can be about is this sacrificial thing. Lent always is an opportunity to, uh, to focus on Jesus, you know, in kind of a renewed way. The church calendar gives us those rhythms. And these six weeks, we really should be focusing on, on the life and ministry of Jesus. And we're going to be doing that together as a church so that by the time we get to Good Friday and Easter, we feel just really well acquainted with Jesus. We feel intimately of, aware of who he is. And Ryan's going to tell you just a little bit about, about this, this series in a moment, but one of the things that's kind of been rolling off our tongue um, as the teaching team and the creative team is that we're going to be going on a journey, on a journey with Jesus over these next six weeks. And I just love that word journey because to me it's such a safe word because everybody can go on a journey. And you can begin where you begin and we can all walk the road together. And we just want to acknowledge in this room that some of you... Um, have a lot of experience with Jesus in this room. You've been walking with him for a long time. And so your challenge will be to, to keep uh, Jesus fresh and alive um, for you. And, and I just am so excited for you because I believe that he has so much to show you about uh, more about who he is and how he loves and his wisdom and his ministry. I'm excited for you, but I tell you who I'm really excited for, and that is the people in this room 
who, who don't know a whole lot about Jesus. That's who I was that first Lent. I didn't know a lot about Jesus. And maybe you feel that way. Maybe there's, there are some pretty big gaps in your knowledge of his life. And I've been thinking about you, and I'm just, my heart is racing for you because your mind and your heart are gonna be blown. If you will press into this series and follow along these next six weeks, and if you will read your Bible, read one of the Gospels about Jesus, you are just not gonna be able to believe what an amazing, amazing, amazing man he was. So we're going on this journey, and I'm glad that you're coming along. And just one last thing um, we wanted to let you know is that Ryan and I are going on a journey. Uh, we're we're going to go on the Israel trip that, that is happening this May, the first two weeks in May, because we really feel like it's time for us to get to the Holy Land and kind of walk in the footsteps of Jesus. And we just wanted to let you know, all 2,000 of you or 5,000 of you over the weekend, that a few spots actually recently opened up because a couple people had to back out. And we want you to come. If God's ever been tugging on your heart to go to Israel, this might be your time and we'd love to go with you. So uh, you can come talk to us afterwards if that interests you. Yeah, I would, I would echo that. We'd love to have you uh, join us uh, on this Israel trip. I know it's kind of short notice, but there are some openings, and so email me or come up after the service and talk to us. And if you can't go on the trip this year, you could always help out by watching Three Little Boys over those two weeks. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think we've got them covered, but uh, maybe you can just pray for them, pray for us. As Jen said, uh, these six weeks of Lent, we are going to be focusing on, on Jesus. Uh, we are going to be going on this journey with Jesus. Uh, it's going to be all about Jesus, which is the title of this series, All About Jesus. And I, I think this title comes at, at a perfect juncture for us as, as a community, as a church, All About Jesus. And here's why I'm thinking that way. The, the first couple series of this year in our new season at Hosanna, these series Better Together and, and Just Love, it, it turns out even more than we thought that they are like uh, themes for us in this new season. They're points of emphasis, better together, that we are better together uh, with others in community, in small groups, as a church. We're better together with the larger church, Church Big C. We're better together. Uh, so that's certainly a theme in this new season. And then just love is a theme for us in this new season, a point of emphasis, that this love, this posture, uh, this, this heart stance that, that, that we have toward a hurting and broken mm -hmm. and seeking world. Uh, so those, those are themes, or, or maybe we can even think about them as pillars in this new season. But if those are pillars, better together and just love, then, then this is a foundation all about Jesus. This is our, our foundation, not only in this new season, but in any season, in all seasons, it's all about Jesus. Because it is all about Jesus. And you can fill in the blank with that word, it, with lots of different words. It's all about Jesus. Christianity is, is all about Jesus. When it really comes down to it, there's a lot to consider, there's a lot to think about, but it comes down to this man, this person, Jesus Christ, and the claims that he made and the claims that the church has made over the centuries about who he is. It's all about, the Bible is all about Jesus. All of the Bible's Christians, we believe, points to this, this one person, Jesus Christ. I love what Martin Luther, the reformer, said that, that the Bible's like the cradle that held baby Jesus, that the Bible holds Jesus and points us to Jesus. And reveals Jesus to us. Salvation is all about Jesus. Right? It's not about our works. It's about what Jesus has done for us. Those series that I mentioned, all about Jesus. How can we be better together? It's because Jesus makes it possible. How can we love with this just love? Because he loves us first. Jesus with a just love. The church, it's all about Jesus. This church, all about the big church. A church big C, all about Jesus. Life, life, all of life. At the end of the day, it's all about Jesus. 
Now, many of us know that. It's not the first time we've heard that. It's not the first time we've thought of it. But we, we get distracted, don't we? We just do. We get distracted. We get off track. We get disoriented in life, kind of lose focus. Our, our, our vision gets blurry. And we make life about all kinds of things other than, than Jesus. And, and when that happens, we end up on a track and living a life that God did not design for us, that he, he, he doesn't desire for us. He wants so much more, and it starts with knowing that it's all about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's what this series is about. Yeah. We chose a, a theme verse for this series. Um, you'll, you'll notice that each week we're going to be in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and, and spending time in a story about the life and ministry of Jesus. But we chose one verse to just kind of go over the whole series because we just believe it's so pointed at what we're doing. It comes out of the book of Hebrews, and many of you will recognize this verse. It's one of my favorites. It says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us by fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Other versions say the author and the finisher of our faith. It's all about Jesus. We can run this life because we can fix our eyes on Jesus. And I I think if we could just sum up the goal of the next six weeks, it would be that together, personally. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. We sang about it this morning. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, because when you do, the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, our vision gets clearer. Uh, That reminds me of a story from our lives. Um, When our middle child was born, Pax, so this would have been about six years ago, shortly after we got here, um, he was born, he was about six months old, and so I'm still in that, like, I'm getting up in the middle of the night a few times phase. He wasn't a terrific sleeper, and Uh, But all of a sudden, something started happening to me. All of a sudden, my eyes were, I I couldn't see. I've I've always, like, had great vision. And all of a sudden, like, I'd be driving and the street signs were blurry. And I'd be trying to read, you know, at night with, like, the last bit of energy that I had. And I'd read a a book or a magazine. And and the words were just blurry. And I thought, oh, my gosh. I said to Ryan, this is, like, it's probably one of those repercussions of pregnancy. You know, the stretch marks, spider veins. Now I can't see. And so I thought, this is really bad. I got to go to the doctor. So I went to the eye doctor, and, you know, he did, he did the thing. He dilated my, dilated my eyes, and he, and he put all the lenses in front of me. And I, there were so many of them that I couldn't see. And I thought, God, this is so humbling, and I'm going to get glasses. And, and sure enough, he came in with his prescription pad. He sat down next to me. He said, I am going to write you a prescription. And he scribbled on it, and he handed it to me. He said, this is for your husband. It says, get your wife some sleep. <laughs> I kid you not, that is a true story. That is a true story. He said, sweetheart, you can see just fine, but you're so tired. Your eyes are moving really slowly. It's taking a long time for him to focus. So you give this to your husband, you go home and get some sleep, and you'll read just fine. So I just want to give a shout out to all the young mamas in the room, because I know there are some. You're up all night, you can't see, and I'll just remind you, you will sleep again and you will see again. Hallelujah, Okay. Hallelujah. But that story, it, it just feels like it ties to, to this scripture verse. You know, it's as if um, that happens in our lives, that, that things begin to get blurry. You know, our relationships get blurry. Our priorities get blurry. Uh, religion gets blurry. God, honestly, sometimes gets blurry. And, and it's as if the prescription that is being handed to us personally and as a church is fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on him and everything else will get clearer. 
And so that's what we're doing together, and this is how we're going to do it. Over these next six weeks, we are going to uh, trace along in the Gospels and stop at, at important stories and together explore important themes in, in the life and the ministry of Jesus. And this morning, what we are going to explore is a very simple question, and it's kind of a foundational one. And it's simply the question, why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come? Why did God come down as a man? Why did he come? And we are going to explore the answers to that question by jumping into a story that happens close to the beginning of the life of Jesus. It's found in Luke chapter 2. And if you would like to read along, please feel free to open to Luke chapter 2. We're also going to have it up on the screen so that you can read along. And all that said, I'm an auditory learner, so if you would rather just listen to the story told to you, feel free to do that too, okay? Here is the setting of this story before we jump in. We're going to actually start at verse 25 if you're trying to find it in your Bible. Uh, but here's the setting. You might notice if you're in your Bible that the story prior to this one is the Christmas story that most of us are very familiar with. We felt like we spent kind of enough time on that story in December, the one about the angels and the shepherds and the manger and the Mary and Joseph and all that stuff, okay? So that's the story that happens right before this one. We pick up at the point where Mary and Joseph have this brand new baby. And I would just love for us to, to consider a couple of things. Uh, they're very young. We know that Mary and Joseph were very young. This is their firstborn child. And so let's just see them as kind of vulnerable uh, but yet trying to do the right thing. They're trying to do the right thing. And it says that they took their firstborn son to the temple to present him to the Lord. And so they've come to the temple in Jerusalem to present their firstborn son to the Lord, as was in the Jewish law, in the law of Moses, to do that. And just a reminder, many of you know, but some of you, you're, you're going to be like, whoa, really? That Jesus was Jewish. Jesus was born into a Jewish household. His parents are Jewish. So they're stepping into the Jewish tradition of bringing their son to the temple. And that's where we pick up the story at verse 25. They're going to meet a man. It says, at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Let's stop there for just a moment. A couple things just to notice. First of all, that, that first line, at that time there was a man living in Jerusalem. For some reason that stuck out to me, like this, this is just a guy. Like he's not anybody special. He's not a prophet, he's not a priest, he's not a pastor, he's just a guy. He's just a guy who lives in Jerusalem. But what we learn about this guy is that he is righteous and devout. Those are really neat words. I would love for those words to be said over my life. I don't know about you, but I would love for those words to be said about me. That means that, that Simeon is trying to live right before God. Of course, we all fail, but th that's his effort. He's trying to live right before God and that he's devout. That means that he's pressing in, in in prayer. He's wanting to hear from God. He's devoted to the Lord. And because of that, God gets to use him in a really extraordinary way. It says that the Holy Spirit was upon him. You know the Holy Spirit can be upon you too and can do extraordinary things in your life, just like in the life of Simeon. This part is important. It says that he, uh, the Holy Spirit, in, as he's connected to God, the Holy Spirit has told Simeon, you will not die. You won't die before you get to meet. You get to see the Lord's Messiah. Not just hear about him, you're going to get to see him. 
Now, it's important to know what he would have been expecting and really longing for and, and looking for in this Messiah figure. The word Messiah means the saving one or the anointed one. And we know that word because we know what Jesus ultimately came to do. But, but before that, the Jews, what they were really expecting and hoping for all over the Old Testament was a, a military king who would come in and help them to overthrow, help the Israelites, the Jews, to overthrow their oppressors. And at this time, their oppressors were the Romans. So they're waiting. They're waiting for this mighty king to come and save them and help them to overcome the Romans. Now, we will see play out over the next six weeks, and we have the joy of knowing that the Messiah that they expected, was the one who came, blew their expectations out of the water. Out of the water. They expected a mighty king, and instead came this humble servant who washed the feet of his friends. And they expected someone who would come and help them to vanquish the Romans. And instead, Jesus, the real Messiah, he came to vanquish sin and death itself. That's amazing. But that's what he was expecting. That's what Simeon's hoping for, all right? So let's pick it up at verse 27. It says, that day, the Spirit led him, Simeon, to the temple. I love that little thought that the Spirit of God told him, go to church today. You should go today. And I wonder if that might have happened to a few of us in this room. Holy Spirit, like, go today. You should go to church today. So he does. He's obedient to that. And when he gets there, it says, So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. And he took their child in his arms and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation. Remember that promise the Holy Spirit gave to him? You won't die before you meet the Messiah. He, meets, he sees this little baby and he says, it's him. I can die now. I can die now because there he is. He goes on and he says, I've seen your salvation which you have prepared for all your people. He, this baby is a light to reveal God to the nations and he is the glory of your people Israel. We're going to go back and look at that verse in just a moment. But let's just finish this part of the story. It says, Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. You think so? Mary and Joseph, they're holding this baby. They're like, what did you say about him? That's amazing. Then Simeon, I love this moment. Then Simeon blessed them. This little family, this brand new little family, Simeon blesses them. And he says to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined. This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall. But he will be a joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul, sweet Mary. Maybe that was a kind thing of God to do, to kind of give Mary a warning. Like, this child's really special, and you're going to love him a lot, but honestly, he's going to have to suffer. And when he suffers, you're going to suffer a lot. And we're going to see that play out and happen a few weeks from now, six weeks from now on Good Friday. But I want to go back to a verse, uh, verse 32. One of the things that Simeon said about this baby is he's holding him in his arms. He says, he, Jesus, this baby, is a light to reveal God to the nations. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. That's who this baby is. This word light, that is such a, it's such a simple but powerful metaphor. And it's all over the New Testament, especially in reference to Jesus. Jesus says it about himself. I am the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. But in order to have a light, you have to consider, well, what is the darkness that this light is lighting up? And we just want to submit this morning that the darkness was the, the fundamental uh, reality that people did not know yet who God was. They didn't know yet. 
you know, since the very beginning of time, people have been searching for God. Who is he? You know, we're all born with like a God-sized hole. Who is he? Is it, is it the sun? Yeah, the sun must be the God. Is it, is it the waves? Well, the waves must be the God or the thunder or the lightning. What, what, is, the, what is God? Who is, who is God? And what is he like? What is he like? And, and Jesus came and he said things like, I am. You want to know who God is? Look at me. Look at me. And I would just say, you know, church, it would be so easy for us to take for granted that we're, that we're gathered in this room in the first place. Because without Jesus, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be in this room. We wouldn't be singing songs to Jesus. Of course we wouldn't. And we would still be in the dark. We would still be in the dark. You and I would still be among the masses of people wondering, what is God like? We'd still be guessing. We'd still be guessing. But Jesus, this baby, he came to reveal who God is. So that's the first reason that Jesus came. Why did he come? To reveal who God is. And I know that when we go on this journey together these next six weeks, we're going to get to understand more about who God is by fixing our eyes on Jesus. And that is really exciting. Super exciting. Well said, Jen. <laughs> and it's true that, that the, the first reason uh, that, that Jesus came was to reveal who God is. In Colossians, it says that, that he is the uh, vision of the invisible God. He is, he is the invisible God made visible for us. And Jesus he even says that when you see me, you've seen the Father. So Jesus reveals God to us. And, and that's the, one of the main reasons that Jesus has come. There's another one, though. And we want to we look at this as we continue on in this, in this passage in Luke chapter 2. And we'll discover another reason that, that Jesus came in the story of Anna. So right after this encounter with Simeon, verse 36, Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Just hold on to those words for a moment. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Kind of a tragic story, but those words, very old. Uh, we don't know exactly how old Anna was. Uh, it's kind of uh, ambiguous in the text, knowing how old she was exactly. But, but we do know that she was old. She was in her older years, and yet God uses her. God uses her. Some of you, you can relate to those words. I know that age is a mindset, right? And it's relative, okay? Uh, so take this however you want to. But, but may, there are people in this room who have more life in our rearview mirror than in our windshield, and so you're in those older generations. Hear this. God can still use you. He's not done with you. Uh, you can never be too old or too young for God to use you, and we learn that in, in Anna. In fact, sometimes uh, in our later years, God can use us even more because there's wisdom and there's life experience, and, uh, and so hear that promise for you. If that's where you see it, oh, I'm too, oh, God can still use you. Verse 37, then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple but stayed there day and night worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She never left the temple. That phrase, I want to just spend a moment with that because I think there's a word for some of you. She never left the temple. Those, those words in the Greek can be also be translated, she never lost faith. She came week, day after day after day to the temple and she didn't lose faith. She persisted. She never gave up. And eventually the Messiah who she was waiting for came. Does it feel like you're waiting for something? Does it feel like you're waiting on God? You're waiting for God to show up? I receive this encouragement from, from Anna's story. Don't give up. Don't lose faith. Persist. God is with you in the waiting, and, and he will show up at just the right 
just the right time. In fact, there's something with Anna's story here that tells us that in the waiting, and we're going to see this, in the waiting, we, we are able to clearly and immediately recognize God when he shows up. And so that's a word for some of you that you may feel like you're waiting, but it is going to allow you to see God clearly and immediately when he shows up just the right time. Verse 38, she came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and Anna began praising God. She talked with, about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. She talked to anyone, you almost want to put those words in there, anyone who would listen, right? You know people like this, they just can't stop talking about Jesus. They can't stop talking about the difference that God has made in their lives. And those last words that, that she, she told people about the God that they had been waiting for expectantly to rescue Jerusalem, to rescue Jerusalem. Now, as, as Jen was talking about earlier, the, the Messiah that they were waiting for, that they were expecting, turned out to be different than the one they were expecting. See, this Messiah didn't show up just to rescue Jerusalem or, or even the nation of Israel. He didn't show up to just rescue a city or a state or just a dot on the map. He came to rescue the whole thing. He came to rescue the whole, the whole thing. Not just a dot on the globe, but the whole globe. The second reason that, that Jesus came after to reveal who God is, is he came to rescue the world. Jesus came to rescue the world. That is a lofty statement. Now you might be thinking, That's, that sounds like something a superhero would say. Like, come to rescue the world. Yep, Jesus is like the ultimate superhero. It's true. Or if you're from my generation, this will land with you. It sounds a little bit like Luke Skywalker showing up to rescue Princess Leia saying, I've come to rescue you. And what does she say? You're kind of short for a stormtrooper. <laughs> and, and, and we're like that. And people then were like that when Jesus shows up. And they're like, wait a minute. You're a little shorter. You're not quite what I was expecting. I was expecting this dominance and the overthrow of the world. Here's something really important for us to get about Jesus. See, Jesus doesn't come to fulfill our expectations. He comes to fulfill our needs our deepest needs, Jesus comes to fulfill his expectations, including, I mean, the need, including the need to be rescued, the need to be rescued. We all need to be rescued. We, we, we all need to be rescued in the, in the sense, and it's universal because we inherit this fallen humanity. We all need to be rescued from an eternity spent apart from God. We, we all need that. It's part of this fallen humanity. But, but, but Jesus didn't just come to, to rescue us uh, from an eternity spent in hell. He, he, Jesus says, I have come, John 10, 10, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly, have it to the full, have a full life. And so Jesus came, yes, to make it possible for, for us to live forever with God, but he also came to, to make it possible for us to have a full and abundant, meaningful life here in this life which means that anything that stands in the way of that, we, we, we need to be rescued from, and Jesus has come to rescue us, <laughs> and he's not too short to do it. How do you need to be rescued? On this Valentine's Day, maybe, maybe it is about relationships. You know, maybe, maybe there's something in your life with relationships. Maybe it is your marriage is in need of a rescue. We believe this at Hosanna, that God can rescue marriages, amen? If you have lived that out, as if that's part of your testimony, uh, that you know what I'm talking about. But some of you are right there, right now. And we have something called Marriage Rebuilders. It's starting uh, this day, afternoon, on Valentine's Day. Uh, marriage Rebuilders, and, and, and maybe some of you are supposed to be there. God can rescue marriages. And, and really, really every marriage needs to be rescued in this sense is that we all need Jesus. 
And we, we've talked about it many times. There are some points along the way where it's been hard, where we've struggled, where we, we don't know where we would have been without Jesus. And, and it's true of our marriage as a whole. And, and here's the thing, too. Some of you feel like, well, that, that's happened. My, my marriage kind of got decimated a while ago, and I've been through a divorce, and God can rescue us from that, too. And some of, for some of you, that has been your testimony of the, of the restoration and resurrection that's taken place after that. But God can rescue us from all kinds of things like addictions and, and anxiety. I've shared with you that that's something I've need to be, needed to be rescued from in my life. Um, and I've never been better uh, in that regard. Um, but it's still a battle sometimes like this week. You know, you're probably thinking, they make it look so easy up here. Maybe you don't think that. I don't know. But I'll tell you what, our lives are tough to coordinate, starting with three little boys as it is, and then throw a sermon on top of that that we're trying to write and work on together. Um, it's a little bit nuts. I mean, this morning on Valentine's Day, we were tag-teaming and going every which way, and, and Jen threw in some waffles for the boys, and then she said, now when these are done, would you cut these into heart shape for the boys? <laughs> yep, I'll do that. I mean, they look terrible, but anyway, that's, God can rescue, where was I going with that? Rescue us from anxiety. So, and I know some of you are in here, you're thinking, I don't know if I need to be rescued from anything. You're the ones I'm most concerned about, kind of. Really, I mean, seriously. And maybe it's pride thinking, I don't need to be rescued from anything. Maybe, maybe it's, and some of you are, you're just so darn capable. <laughs> and, and you fall into this false reality of being totally self-sufficient and self-reliant. And, and, the, and the truth is, no one can do it on their own, and we all need Jesus. Or this is the message of Ash, Ash Wednesday. <laughs> And that we all inherit this fallen humanity where we have a tendency towards selfishness and towards sin. And we need to be rescued, all of us rescued from that on a daily basis. We need to die to ourselves and be rescued from ourselves. We all need to be rescued. And Jesus came to rescue us. He came, he came for two reasons. He came to reveal who God is and he came to rescue the world. And there's a message to be given someday about what it might mean for God to rescue this world someday and for the world to be restored and for there to be a new heaven and a new earth. But for now, just think you were part of the world and he came to rescue you. Now, if we put these two together, and I want to do this in closing, if we put these two together, I think we come up with something really important this Valentine's Day. Why Jesus came. What does the fact that Jesus came to rescue us tell us about who God is? If we put those two together. It means... It means this verse that, that many of us know. I think this verse puts it together perfectly. John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave, he sent. Jesus came, his one and only son, because God so loved the world. What, what do we know about God because Jesus came to rescue us? We know that we are so loved. We know that we are so forgiven. You can know that, you, that God is so for you, that he is so with you. You can know that God has come down in Jesus Christ. He's come down. Don't miss this. Because every other world religion, including those people who say they don't have one, every other world religion requires us to somehow ascend to God and be good enough for God and do enough to be right with God. And Christianity says Jesus has come to you right where you are, just as I am, without one plea. And you don't have to clean up. You don't have to get it together. He comes right in the middle of your mess. He comes right in the middle of your life. He comes right in the middle of our humanity. Amen? Amen. Jesus comes. You can know that that you are so loved. On this Valentine's Day, it's like Jesus Christ is this big old monstrosity of, of a Valentine that shows up on your doorstep. I don't know if that image even works for you. But it says you are so loved. That you are loved 
without condition, without qualification, that you are loved as a child of God. And it is an all-sufficient, everlasting love. And Jesus, Jesus, it's all, Jesus makes it all possible. That's why it's all about Jesus. And that's why in these coming weeks during Lent, we are going to fix our eyes on Jesus and learn and live more than ever before what that looks like. Yeah. Can you tell we're excited about this? Oh, my gosh. We're so excited about it. Ryan and I are excited about it. I always tell you the whole teaching team has just been feeling this way about this series. Like our hearts are pounding in our chests because we have, you know, we do this ahead of you in a way. And we have been pressing into the Gospels. We have been reading about Jesus. And, you know, I've been a Christian for 20 years now. I don't know that I've ever loved Jesus more than I love him right now. By just having had the opportunity to, to soak in the stories about him, to, to read again what he said. I mean, you guys, Jesus is amazing. <laughs> He's amazing. If you will go on this journey, I promise you, your mind and your heart will be blown away for the first time or again by this man, Jesus. And we have just a couple things we want you to know at the bottom of your sermon notes, there are there are some recommended, recommended readings, I guess. We've got a couple books that we have just agreed upon as a teaching team that would be great if you would like to dive into those. We have them provided in the bookstore if those interest you. We also have some links to Right Now Media if you're more of an auditory or visual learner. We have some really neat videos that you could jump in and learn about Jesus. And then if you just want to get in your Bibles, which of course is always a super good idea, if you want to get in your Bible and just read about Jesus, we just this time would recommend the book of Luke. We just read out of the book of Luke. It's full of all the most amazing stories about Jesus. And so start it today and read it for the next six weeks that we would just become more acquainted and more in love with Jesus by the time we get to Good Friday and Easter. With that, I'm just going to pray for us. Um, not as really a close to this message, but as more a, a prayer of the opening of the next six weeks. So can we pray together? Jesus, you are amazing. And if we know that already... God, shatter it again and show us again. Show us again how incredible you are. God, open our hearts to learn from you again and to be amazed by you again. You are our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And people in this room, God, who don't know you in that way, Jesus, who, who only know your name and only know a few of the stories about you, God, would you, just, would you just show up? Would you just meet those people? Would you just reveal yourself to them? Jesus, this season, we turn our eyes upon you. We turn our eyes upon you. We fix our gaze on you. And we give you glory and thanks for all the ways that you will move in our lives and make our vision clearer. God, come and have your way among us this Lenten season. We pray in the holy, precious, mighty, amazing name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand at both campuses for a closing blessing? And as you do so, just to remind you, as, as always, uh, there are trained prayer ministers that are ready to pray with you uh, for any reason, for your joys, for any struggles or challenges in your life. Uh, but maybe, maybe on this Valentine's Day, you want to come and wherever your marriage is, if you're married, to come and receive a blessing. Uh, for some of you, this Valentine's Day, as, you, as we talked about earlier, is, is harder. Maybe you're single and you don't want to be. Uh, maybe you're single and you're learning how to be. They would love to pray for you about that. Um, and, uh, and then if, uh, you know, if you were feeling like, yes, this is a journey I want to go on this Lenten season, fix our eyes on Jesus as individuals and as a, a household even, 
um, a family, come forward to receive that blessing for any old reason. But now receive this blessing as we close. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look with favor upon you and give you his peace and his great love. And if you were excited about this journey, this Lenten season of being all about Jesus, would you shout as God's people, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We love you. We'll see you next week.